0: Welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host Stevie Taylor. This is episode 124 and it's the latest instalment in our very popular spotlight series. The Gig Life Podcast Spotlight Series is where my friends and I we sit down and we talk about our favourite musicians, be it local, be it worldwide. Musicians that have influenced us, inspired us, impacted us as musicians ourselves. We talk about their careers, their music, their legacy. This is not a new concept, we're not changing the game here, we're just hanging out, bouncing stories off each other, sharing information that others may not have known, but in the process adding to the legacy of these brilliant musicians. So today's episode is all about legendary British drummer, producer and audio engineer Simon Phillips. Simon has played and recorded with Pete Townsend, The Who, Judas Priest, Toto, Mike Oldfield, Hiromi, Jeff Beck. Jack Bruce, Nick Kershaw, to name all but a few. Simon has also had a very successful solo career, as well as being at the top of his game as an audio engineer. Joining me today to talk about Simon Phillips are three outstanding drummers and friends of mine. Lance Phillips, Gordon Rittmeister, and Glenn Wilson. We have all chosen a bunch of songs that Simon Phillips has played on, and not necessarily the songs that you'd expect either. We'll listen to parts of these songs, and we'll give you our take on them. We'll talk about his influence, his sound, his legacy, and hopefully do our bit to add to that legacy. So ladies and gentlemen, it's time to turn the Gig Life Podcast Spotlight onto the great Simon Phillips. I think We're rolling. Welcome to the Gig Life Podcast Spotlight Simon Phillips episode. Um, joining me on the panel today, we have Glenn Wilson. How you going, Glenn? Doing good, Woo.
1: thanks, Stevie. Yeah,
0: good man. Lance, good to see you again. Lance Phillips.
2: Yeah. yeah, good to see you guys. Yeah, cool, man. <laughs>
0: and uh Gordo Ritmeister, hey yeah. doing, man.
2: Good, thanks, mate. How are you?
0: Yeah, yeah, good, super good. to see everyone. Yes, for yeah. sure. For sure. I've been looking yeah. forward to this. Um of all yeah. the things that I do in the podcast, these little things are by far my favourite, because um, then I get to I get to geek out a little bit more than I would would usually, and and don't feel the pressure as much, you know, because it's just to hang with mates and and just just talking shit, and um, yeah, man, it's good, happy to be doing it again. <laughs> um, what I thought we might start with, we're talking about legendary uh, British drummer producer composer um simon phillips so yeah first up let's each talk about the first time we heard about simon phillips and and what that experience was and um what you were doing was it a magazine or was something you saw or heard um yeah we'll start with you lance
3: cool okay um yeah for me um I think the first time I sort of was aware of Simon Phillips was like um modern drummer magazine Tama drum ads, you know, and it was like, Oh, who's this guy, you know? With these big Tama drums and um and then um yeah, just oh actually Tama catalogues and things like that. Um Around what year was
0: then around sorry, Lance but around oh, what year?
3: I think it I think it was was probably um Would have been like 1983 or four or something like that. I think. Um, Yeah, and then I think the first time I heard him play was, um, I'm pretty sure it was the Pete Townsend album that's that's got you know, um, you know um, those tunes on there. Uh, And I wound up having to um, what's Face the Face? Yeah. That, yep. And that sh- that shuffle that, you know,
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: um, that at white, age 17, having to play that in, yeah. a, in a band and, and, yeah, and, like, trying to keep up with that, that pace. It sounds, you know, easy beat, but, man, you know, <laughs> to keep that shuffle going. So that was my first sort of intro was that album there. Um, and then I think, um, yeah, meet, meeting him, um, I think it was he came to Wellington in, like, 19... 19- I think it was 1988, might have been 87 or 88. I'm not absolutely sure what what year that was, but but it was it was somewhere around that time, and um, got to meet him briefly at a at the music store that was hiring out the gear to him and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, I was I was pretty astounded at how short he was mm. <laughs> when I first met him. I thought wow, you know, because mm. he with all those huge drums, you know he kind of the drums kind of make him look bigger than what he is but um yeah you know he, he he's pretty humble pretty um polite english kind of conservative sounding it doesn't really match the way that he plays the drums but um yeah so that was my kind of um intro to him and then the the protocol album the, the was, first one. was probably the yeah the first yeah. one yeah the funny thing is when i don't know if you remember when that came out on i got it on vinyl it came out as um as it was, you know, like the the proper thirty three sort of LP size, but it was actually a forty five, and I remember putting it on on the turntable and putting it on, you know, standard thirty three, and thinking, man, these songs sound pretty slow, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and then and then it was like, oh. Actually, you know, then once I bumped it up, you know, to, the, to 45, it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he did that so that people people could slow down what he was doing, you know, to figure out some of his licks. But, um, yeah, that's my little funny bit. Yeah, that's cool. About yeah.
1: it. Glenn, <laughs> what about you, man? Yeah, Lance, we must be a similar age because that's almost identical yeah. to me. I think face-to-face was the yeah. first thing I heard. But yeah. my first kit was a Tama kit. Uh, and I had, I had all the brooches over my wall, my bedroom wall, and it was always uh, Billy and Simon, you know, in that day, and these yeah, massive yeah. kits, you know, double yeah. bass drum kits, and and uh, yeah, yeah. And then when I heard face to face, I'm like, what's the what's the deal with this guy? He's not even doing drum fills, you know. I couldn't get my head yeah. around it. Uh, but <laughs> so I used to go down to um, Australis was the distributor, I think, in Brookvale. And they had a showroom down there and uh every now and then they'd have kits and stuff in there. And I used to go down and there'd be Simon pitches all over the wall. And um I remember one time they had uh Roger Taylor's drum kit from Duran Duran. I'd just seen them at the entertainment center and this Tama Imperial Star kit set up in the showroom by octobands and concert toms, the whole thing. And uh you know, I remember the girl coming up to me and she's like, hey, kid, you know, this is not a shop, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, mom, just come to hang out, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's where I remember him from, all those ads and just being a Tom and yeah. nut, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my my story, very early 90s, um, 91 maybe. Um, I had a friend of mine, well, in, in my hometown, Masterton, where Lance knows, knows I'm I'm from those the area. There was something about most of the drummers there played Tama drums. It's like Tama town. Yeah, right. <laughs> I had I always had Pearl drums and and but I was the only one. And then there was a couple yeah. other of the older cats that had the old Ludwig yeah. stuff. But all the 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 modern cats at the time in my town all played Tama drums. So it was Tama everything. they're always talking about Tama drummers and um, a mate of mine. Who was the same guy that actually introduced me to um, to Vinnie Colaiuta as well? Who's who's playing? I was around at his place one night, and he put on this video videotape, and it was it was uh, Simon Phillips playing with the Who, and it was uh, it was Tommy playing the the Tommy concert, whatever that concert was, and um, it just blew me away. And then, of course, yeah, it was the Modern Drummer magazines. Sort of after that. And then the DCI video came out. Right. And I didn't know the video had come out at the time, but one of these, one of the, um, the, the Tama cats in my town, he'd bought the Tama track pants. You know, the (laughs) Tama track pants he plays in the. (laughs) So, like, he was the coolest thing. And it's like, and, you know, his mates would be talking about, you know, um, oh, it's the same pants off the video, you know. So I wanted to find out what the video was, and I ended up getting <laughs> watching the video and then just uh, just studying that that DCI video that he did. And um,
5: Fantastic. and
0: then, yeah, not long after that, um, you know, Jeff Picaro died, and then um, Simon uh joined Toto. And then I was telling you this um, yesterday, Gordo, that when I was going, this is after you had introduced me to. Um, Jeff Beccaro, Lance. I started going through all that back catalogue. And then um, (laughs) around that time too, the absolutely live CD had come out. And that was the 92 tour or or 93 whatever it was. Like I said, I think it was recorded in Japan. So I had that CD in my car and I just thrashed that, man. I just learned every lick. If I listen to it now, I'll air drum every single cymbal hit, every fill, a whole lot. So from there, it just mm. built to where we are today. So that's, mm. that's my Simon Waffle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gordo.
2: Well, um, you're all making me feel pretty old here because uh, I think <laughs> uh, I, I might have, I'm probably just a tad older older than you, Lance. So I, I, um, yeah. uh, I, I, I like like you got I mean, I grew up, listening to rock and roll i probably told this story in our interview stevie but um you might have cut it because you know four hours was probably enough <laughs> you might have cut it cut it with a view to saving it for, the, for this occasion but yeah or,
0: or for the fourth episode of good yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, speaking of waffling yeah. um, <laughs> um now look i i um I grew up, I was sort of, you know, my first major inspiration on the drums was really John Bonham in Led Zeppelin. And um, I started playing in 81. And I, like you guys, I was familiar with the, the Tama catalogs. The, and uh, Simon, th- there was a there was a page in the Tama catalog that had all the endorsers, you know, and, and there was Billy Cobham and Lenny White and Simon was in amongst them. Uh, and it was a picture of Simon pretty young playing, you uh, uh, superstar or an imperial star like it was a was a was a silver kit um and so i knew his i knew his face i didn't didn't know what he played like um and but and as i said i was a a zeppelin fan i was and like a bottom guy and there was a a show that came that was simulcast i used to listen to triple m radio it was simulcast on triple m and i think channel 10 back in the day would have been 1983 or a yeah, probably eighty three, and uh, it was called the, the the Ronnie Lane concert benefit concert for arms, which is the multiple sclerosis research, because um, Ronnie Lane, the bass player from the Small Faces, uh, had multiple sclerosis. And and the the, the thing that uh, appealed to me about it was that it, the 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 the, uh, the bill featured. Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and Jeff Beck—the three guitar players from the Yardbirds—who'd mm. played with the Yardbirds. Mm. So, uh, as a Zeppelin fan, I'm. This is after Led Zeppelin had finished, and I'm like, "Wow, I can't wait to see Jimmy Page." But what absolutely blew me away was uh, when Simon came on with with Jeff Beck, and mm. uh, you, you know uh, that the Kenny Jones and Charlie Watts were playing. As well as um, the percussionist, uh, oh, he's just gone out of my head. Uh, Ray, Cooper. Ray Cooper, yeah, that's it, yeah, Ray Cooper, yeah, yeah. A, a crazy, crazy yeah. guy, you know. And they they were yeah. all playing it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> um very energetic. But anyway, but but uh, yeah. and you know, it was very, it was a pretty loose gig. It was pretty sort of jammy. They they went on and toured it to the states. Um, I've since discovered, but uh, that was my first. Uh, kind of introduction to Simon and also to fusion music. It was was really uh, something different, you know. It was 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 real jazz rock or rock jazz, I, I suppose you might say. But definitely coming coming from an improvisational um, point of view and and a composition like an instrumental compositional point uh, kind of place. And but I, I this first song wasn't. I've since watched the concert. I've since had the concert on. Um, VHS and DVD and uh and it's in a different order but the first appearance of Jeff Beck they played the pump which is uh I, I, if you're familiar with it it's a, this incredible tune it's it, it was it also featured in the movie Risky Business where um where uh Tom Cruise backs the Porsche out of the garage in the in the film I don't know if you, you ever saw that mm-hmm. um but I, you know, it's it's playing the the simplest drum beat you can play, the simplest rock beat, playing the one and three on the kick, two and four on the snare, and eights on the hats. But I had never heard it played like that before, and it just, it just, it got inside me. It was it was just incredible, and um, and I I you know I I just fell in love with this this guy. I happened to record it on VHS, and I played that thing over and over again. And you know, I would have worn that worn that tape out, and and I had I remember tra- transferring it to another tape, you know, to try and save it <laughs> a bit longer, you know. But it, 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 and I would just get this sort of buzz of excitement every time the camera was on Simon. Like it just it just it just thrilled me. You know, I was just floored. Um, he also played it. They also played a tune, "Led Boots," uh, on that record, uh, which, and then I, I you know in my. Uh, further study, I sort of uh, w- went and found the original of Lead Boots, which was on the Jeff Beck Record Wire, and it featured Michael Walden, N- Narada Michael Walden, and his his playing was much much busier and more frantic and broken up, and uh, you know he he was playing jazz rock, he was playing uh, r- rather than rock jazz, if you like. Um, and I think, mm. it, and it, my initial, I, I didn't. It didn't appeal to me because Simon was coming from a place I could understand, and yet playing with this great facility and chops and interesting phrasing and great, you know, great mm. feels. But really, what what pinned the whole thing down was this dirty, dirty groove underneath, you know. Mm. And and I think that, funnily enough, to this day, that's that's the very thing about about him, and uh, that 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 kills me. It's this. It's uh. You know, it's it's interesting, uh, Lance. You said he doesn't like he's, he's quite a conservative Englishman um, mm. when he speaks, and mm. and and, um, mm. but he doesn't play the drums like that. And and yeah, I I agree. Certainly, he certainly knows how to <laughs> how to rock in the sort of truest sense. But I think there's there's an there's an intellect behind it as well that that really appealed to me. Like it wasn't just yeah, it, what there was nothing ever. Yeah. Um, there's never anything sort of uh primal about it. It was very it, while it was mm. as aggressive and, and and you know, he dug in, it was it was always very intelligent to me.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm. And groovy. Groovy. Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah, j just on that, like mm. I've got some notes that I'm gonna like when we we're gonna start playing some tracks soon and listening and I've mm. got notes written down for the two songs that I that I chose. And one of the first things on those two songs mm. is the way he's created the part for that song going back to the intellect thing. It's not just, he hasn't just sat down and like he's the two songs I've chose. He's, he's crafted these, you know? Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I I think that's awesome. That that's, that's, uh, one of the things that, that's, that puts him right up there for me.
2: Well, just, just yesterday I had another look at the, at the concert for arms just to refresh myself. And I, I mean, for one thing I realized, just how much stuff I've ripped off from him, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, how much sort of phrasing concept and, 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 you know, all of that. But what struck me, uh, you know, like he plays with such incredible energy, you know, and, but, um, what Mm. struck me is how musical everything is, how, you know, like his Tom, the whole Tom thing. um, I don't think he had the Octobands on that, uh, but he had the gong bass drum, but the whole, the whole way he incorporates toms into the grooves and, and it's, it's very, it's very musical, you
0: know? Mm. Yeah. And he and he, it, he tunes those toms to the songs too. And that's another thing with one of my tracks I've got coming up is the way he's got his drums tuned to the track. Right. And he, he's mm. orchestrating those, those Tom fills, mm. you know? Yeah. And, mm. Awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll listen to some songs. And, and since you've mentioned the pump gorda, I think we might maybe we'll start with that one. Um, now you said that you heard the um, you heard the live version first. I, I couldn't find that, so we've got the studio studio version of that, which is the one that you sent me. Yeah,
2: yeah, well, yeah. The, 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 it's very straight. So you, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you might want to play the whole thing. But I remember modern drummer talking about it when they did uh, one of the style analysis on um, Simon and. And talking about he, um, the way they described it was like he's a spring being coiled up, spring and <laughs> just waiting to explode. And that's that's the way he plays that that tune. Uh, I did I did get to talk to him once. Uh, well, I talked to him a few times, but uh, he talked to me once about about the pump. Um, mm. Do you want me to tell you that now? Yeah, man. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll let, yeah. Well, actually, let, let's listen. We'll listen yeah. to the song and then hmm. then we'll get we'll get some context. So yeah, I'll, cool. I'll, I'll play it now.
1: yeah so good so good
0: um i was reading the 1986 what's that um md i sent you glenn was it 83 the first the first Uh,
1: 81 i think
0: 81 Uh, 81, what yeah and he was um there's a there's a little piece in there when he's talking about the recording of pump and how happy he was with the sound of his drums yeah and how it sort of resonated, how the whole kit kind of opened up because he was playing so simple. Yeah. You know?
1: You can hear it uh, when he hits that tom early on in there. You know, it's like just after the first section.
0: Yeah, you can hear, the real
1: flappy. Yeah, you, I reckon yeah. that's the beginning of sort of technology catching up to being able to capture his sound because yeah, a lot right. of times in the sort of late 70s, you could hear his sound was poking through, but it was sort of veiled by that you know, dry sound of the day. Yeah. You know, but for me, when, when I hear that track, I can just start to hear how he wanted it to sound, you know, but which sort of came mid-80s, I reckon, that started to really come through, you know.
2: Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I, I got that, Um, like again, like going back and listening to him in recent years, uh, realising just how much his sound... uh i enjoyed his sound without without realizing at the time you know like and he had he had a a very distinctive sound you know i mean yeah i could definitely tell there was a lot of Cobham in there you know um in right. the in the not, not i'm not talking about that track so much but um but in the fills and and you know even the setup and the left hand lead and all that stuff um but it yeah he's he had that thing of of meaning every note in a way that I, like many of the fusion jazz guys approached it differently. Like, a, like it was a layer, you know, they had a layered thing where he had it to me, like every note counted, like it was a, a pop thing, but he was playing a fusion style, you know? And I think, mm. I think that was really um, different, you know?
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, I totally agree. Hey, Stevie, but- there was a great quote in that thing you sent me. That, mm. that interview and he, the guy asked him about, you know, how do you deal with engineers and your sound, you know, like when they want to make you make you dampen your drums down, you mm. know, and he said, you know, do they make you put blankets in or, you know, tape on or that, you know, how do you, how do you go with that? And his response is, no, I don't let them touch it at all yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it he was he was, did you, did, he was yeah, the you, integrity that he had for his sound right from the beginning never yeah. wavered you know like
0: yeah did you guys listen to any of those podcasts that I sent you yeah 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 did you hear the one I can't remember which one it was now but he was talking about a session that he did and
1: oh it was the pretender thing with Bob Clearman pretender
0: thing that's right yeah, and yeah. he rocks up he rocks up there and there's this Miked bass drum in the, in the room, and he walked in with his kit, and he said, "What's this?" And they're like, "We got this really great sound out of this bass drum, so we want you to set your kit up around it." And he went, "No, no. <laughs> this is my this is my instrument, you know." So we um, yeah, that's
1: funny. That was funny. Um, Bob Clearmountain too. That, that's yeah. not a small deal. Like he's just, yeah, yeah. He's just saying, hey, Bob, I mean, at that time, Bob was the yeah. hottest thing ever, you know? Yeah. And, and Simon's just says, no, I'm not doing that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Just amazing.
2: I mean, that, yeah. that that's the thing that, that comes across like, uh, you know, like a, in all the interviews you hear from any period and, and read from any period is ha- just how, um, how sure of himself he was all along from the very beginning. Like, uh, you know, and I guess that, you know his father. His father died young, and his, but his father had been a jazz musician, and and uh, and all of that, and and I guess he'd had a lot of experience by the time he was, you know, <coughs> excuse me, mid teen, mid teenage. Um, mm. But he he definitely has always known who he is, and 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 how he wants how he wants it to be perceived, and that's yeah, yeah, mm. you know, you know. I mean, there's there's a guy who for what you know for whatever it's worth uh I know it's a different thing being an English guy moving to America than it would be being an Aussie or a new Zealander moving to the states um because you know England's got such a rich history in 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 music that that is you know well like a, a an international record if yeah. you like um yeah. but you know but still he 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 held his own and stood his ground and 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 I, I certainly think he was influenced, you know, by the American thing more like, uh, when he got there, and and that that um, that integrated into his playing. Um, but but he was still himself, you know. He was like he's still a very forthright, confident, confident guy who who knew you know knew his bag, and yeah. mm. he he was
0: like in one of those interviews too. He's talking about when he um. Uh, when he originally joined Toto, and um, I'm sure he thought he was sure of himself, but he, he, I think to him he thought he was to himself he thought he was quite shy until he met Steve Lukather. <laughs> <laughs> Steve <laughs> Lukather just, you know, almost almost made him a little bit arrogant. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah to, in a sense.
2: Well, I, I do, I do remember I met him once. Uh, the first time I met him was in um, Andy Evans' Drumcraft. Uh, in the city and that would have been a probably, well, he joined Toto by that time. So um, maybe that wasn't the first time. Anyway, he joined Toto and one thing he said to me is, um, and maybe he didn't want this to be known public for all the the people he played with before, but he said, he said of all the bands he's played with, Toto had the best time in the band, best time field, best, you know, they're all, they're all, L.A. studio, you know, precise, you know, mm. subdivision guys. And, and I, I do think his time changed when he went to America. Um, mm, totally and, agree. Yeah. Uh, but, mm. but having said that, I think he was always the most American of the English drummers, you know. And, in, in mm. fact, um, Chad Wackerman tells a funny story that Terry Bozio told him that Terry, <laughs> when Terry first met Simon... Uh, Simon was wearing, you know, a, a, the, a baseball cap and a baseball outfit, not unlike the, the, the uh, Give Blood video. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and Terry was dressed up as an English punk guy, you know, so like it was Terry trying to be English and Simon trying to be American. You
0: know? <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll go on to another song now. Now, since we're talking about how, you know, Simon's moved from England to to the US, he's joined Toto, Um. Uh, Lance, we'll listen to we'll listen to your track now because this was around 1994, I think it was when they they did mm. did this tour, and it's um um the songs "Party in Simon's Pants" and it's the Lost Lobotomies Steve Lukather Candyman tour the live the live yeah. version of it. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about this?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I guess I mean there's so many tracks that that are great to kind of. Um, Pick from you know that that he does drum solos on, but but um, just the the time signature riff and how he plays over the top of it on this live track, you know, and I mean, and just the um, the actual interaction with with him um, connecting with with um, David Garfield and his piano solo and and Lucather and and John Pena, you know, it, it just. Um, it's like they're all just one unit, you know, it's a little bit, I mean, some of the the hits and things are pretty cliche, but, um, it's just so well played and, um, and the, you know, the, the drum solo, you know, it's just, just great, you know, right, right, right at the end. And, you know, there's no, I mean, there's a little bit of risk taking, but, um, enough to make it exciting, but, um, but it just, it's so together, you know, um, and you just think the amount of energy that that has got you know, just to keep that whole thing going, you know, the tempo, you know, is pretty pretty solid through the whole thing. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's a ten minute ten minute track. So what we'll do? Yeah, it, we'll, I'll, we'll, no, we'll play. We'll, yeah. I'll, I'll play the start of it, just so we can get the yeah. idea of the riff and the feel. Yeah, and then I'll fast yeah. forward through to the
5: yeah yeah through the yeah. solo.
0: Um, it's yeah. funny you, you talk about that solo and um, like they all take their sort of well, um. Lukather yeah. and Dave Garfield they take their solo, and they take their solo in the four four part.
5: <laughs> yeah,
0: and then Simon takes a solo yeah. in the odd time part, and it's funny because just as it's about to happen, if you watch the video, Lukather goes running over to the piano, and they all look yeah. the other way, and they're all like focusing <laughs> on each other, because <laughs> they know, they know Simon's off, you know, and they're just like they're focusing on each yeah. other, and you know. <laughs> So I'll put a, yeah. I'll put a link to the, the, the video. You the, have to see what I mean. i yeah. like all these tracks, yeah, all the videos. I mean, I'll link them. So
3: they're all they're all just trying not to lose the guitar riff, <laughs> yes. you know, the riff, while he's doing all this stuff over yeah, yeah. the top of it. Yeah. Um. I mean, the funny thing is, is that it is still kind of in four four because it's like it's a seven and a nine, um, yeah, yeah. and so it's, it works out to sixteen. You know, but it's, and it's quite funny watching um there's a couple of people in the front row, you know, bouncing up in time, like to the pulse, <laughs> yeah. even though even though it's rolling over the beat and that sort of thing, and yeah. it's <laughs> still going. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive, though.
4: Okay, let's go.
3: Yeah.
0: That's the main sort of, sort of the riff and the gist of things. So I'll try and find the solo. Uh, this is...
1: Can I say that, like, that That track made me think about how I love the way he uh, comps underneath the solo, you know, um, like the way he bubbles away underneath the soloist, it's sometimes just so soft, like he's riding on the china and he's on the little piccolo snare, the way he just makes that feel is incredible, he does it all the time. But um, I mean, dynamically, it, he's off the charts anyway. But when he really takes it down to that whisper quiet thing, and there's all that information going on, uh, it's just beautiful. Yeah, well said. Well said.
2: He's it, always been a um, a uh, a great. You know, it's always been about the sound too, hasn't it? Like, yeah, uh, uh, you, you know, Lance, you mentioned uh, he came to New Zealand in 1988. He did a. He, I think that was probably was was he did a clinic tour for Zildjian, um, and that was 1988. That was the first time I'd heard him live. I think, um, and that was it, it was at the Hyatt Kingsgate at Kings Cross, uh, up at the the big Coca Cola sign. Uh, my sponsors, Coca Cola, and um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there were there was about a thousand people there, and it was it was it was so intense. <laughs> And he came on late. It came on late. Like it was this, you know, and there was so much sort of atmosphere and anticipation in the room. And, uh, I've actually, I've actually got the VHS, uh, video of the, the Adelaide clinic he did on the same tour. Um, but, uh, I don't know how I got it and it's, it's, you know, it's probably highly illegal, but anyway, I've got, (laughs) I've got that somewhere. I have (laughs) have to dig it out. Um, but he, um, and, and when he finally came out, he just sat down on this halftime shuffle pocket. He came out, he went, and he sat on the pocket for a couple of minutes. Right? <laughs> and, and, the, and and you just said, like, you can actually, because I, I recorded it, you know, in a cassette, and you just, and the whole audience just goes like pinned back to their back of their seats like <laughs> like this, and then you know after a couple of minutes of this intense groove, it, he plays this thirty second note fill right around the drums, <laughs> like with a you know thirty seconds on the kick kick drums and cymbals finishing it off back to the pocket, and you just I've got the I've got the audience the audience just goes. Oh yeah! (laughs) Just (laughs) but yeah, and the sound—the sound was so big and so you know was such a massive sound, and you know and yeah, nasty, fantastic.
0: Let's um, so that's since we're talking about you know you know first times we've seen him, maybe let's let's kind of go into that now. So, Gordo, so that was the first time you saw him. Live, saw him play. yeah, yeah. Saw yeah I saw him live. I yeah. saw him
2: that that same year. Funnily enough, I found the ticket stub for um, uh, uh, Mick Jagger. They played at the Entertainment Centre. Yeah. And um, Lance, you set that video of the uh, yeah. when they played up at King's Cross. That was the same. That was that tour. Yeah. And I remember that that gig. And um, that was with uh, right. Joe Satriani yeah. on guitar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Doug Doug Wimbush on bass. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. That yeah. was a killer yep. band. Yeah. And, oh yeah.
0: And
2: yeah, that
3: was <laughs> that that. that, that. Go on, mate. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just saying, it was pretty impressive. Um, seeing him playing on a, a small drum kit, playing right handed. You know, for, for a, a big part oh, no, of it. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, I, th- you know, I thought it was amazing. You know, from him playing on a big kit to then playing right handed on a little kit in a pub, and um, yeah, great energy vibe, all the
2: rest of it. You know. It was very cool. Uh, I think that was the Cardama Cafe, uh, the Cardama up at the Cross. I think they played, or um, or Sweet. Uh, what was it called? Um, I can't remember that room. But yeah, it was was one of those, you know, pretty, pretty old rock and roll rooms, you know. Um, but wh- one thing I do remember from that that gig was that Simon broke a, his right kick drum head in a song during a song. No. Yeah, and. Uh, it was it was hilarious because they sort of they, they were just jamming out, and um, this was in, at the entertainment center. Not, not I wasn't at the pub gig, but the entertainment yes. center. And um, they were just jamming out, and the crew came on and they lifted the the two, the toms that were mounted off that, and they they pulled them out of the kick, and they they pulled the kick away, and then they brought in another kick drum, and you know, and it took ages. Like they were just sort of just sitting on this thing and jamming away. And they put the kick, uh, the thing back. And, and at the end of the song, Mick Jagger said he was, he was, he was pretty pissed. <laughs> and he said, he said oh, it's the longest time it's ever taken to change a pair of fucking drumsticks, he said. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh. Oh, classic. Um,
0: all right, well, the first time I saw Simon play was, um, was 1995, It was here in Sydney at the M theater. And I'd been in Australia for a month and a half, two months. And, um, yep. Went and saw this clinic with my dad and and another friend of mine. Um, what I don't, and I was telling you this Gordy yesterday. I don't remember that much. I, I remember seeing him and I've got some photos. The only thing I actually remember because I was a fair way back, and it was, you know, I, I was probably a little bit starstruck a little bit too, like, oh, wow, yes, fucking Simon Phillips. What I do remember, though, is somebody in the crowd asked him to play Rosanna. So he played Rosanna because he was playing with Toto at the time. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the first time that, um, that I saw him play. And I ended up seeing him in another clinic. It was 2013, Gordo, I looked that up.
2: Ah right, yeah, um, right. yep,
0: yeah. Yep. Canterbury Maxtown Leagues Club, yep. here in Sydney, and yep. well, that that ninety five clinic, he was out here to promote the Star Classic drums, Tama Star Classic, and then when he was here in thirteen, it was for the the Tama Star drums,
1: right, right,
0: yep, um, yeah, and I got to see him play with Toto twice, so that was the first time out here with the uh, the Falling in Between um tour, so that was two. Th- <sighs>
2: That's the metro, right?
0: It was at the metro. Yeah. Yep. And then they were out the year, a year later. And that that year at the metro, um, that was with Mike Bacaro. And then the year later was Lee Sklar playing bass. I I, yeah.
2: I I told you yesterday that um, the when Simon first joined the band, uh, it, and they they first came here in '93, and I uh, I was playing with Margaret Ehrlich, and we we had a gig. Um, on the same night as they were playing at Salinas at at Coogee Bay, Coogee, yeah. and um, I, I couldn't get there. I was playing with Margaret down in Wollongong, I think, but we were at Salinas the next night. And when we got to the gig, I looked, and on the on the in the dressing room wall was the set list of Toto. So <laughs> <laughs> I souvenired that. I've got yeah. that here somewhere.
1: Nice, yeah, nice, yeah. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. But- um, d- from that from that uh, ninety five clinic, I posted that this poster on my Facebook today and, you know, just to say that we were doing this recording and, um, Adam Church, um, who Gordo, um, you might know Glenn, yeah, you yeah. may know yeah, Adam yeah. Church. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he said, um, let me just, and I asked him if I could quote him here. So I've, I've uh, saved it. Let me find it. Um, okay. So that in show was Adam's first day working for Australis uh, and they were the Tama distributor. Simon asked for a glass of water and someone hand, handed him an unopened bottle and he said, no, thanks, I need a glass of water as a spirit level because <laughs> the drum riser was leaning forward and he wanted to level it out, you know, and um, and then the sound guy also yelled out to him, um, second rack Tom was ringing, so then he yelled back, uh, can you drop three dB of 8K? <laughs> fixed it just like that and that yeah that that speaks for his um his uh you know the the whole audio engineering yeah he is you know, a world-class uh, engineer absolutely
1: yep, yep. Uh, what's amazing about his his kit is that it is set up um to be recorded well you know he's always said that you know and like sometimes his like his elbow is above his shoulder hitting stuff because his whole thing was to get the cymbals out of the tom mics you know it's yeah, like right. he's willing yeah. to go to any lengths the, the sonic thing is a really big deal to him you know and the mm. whole thing about being open-handed and the kit being symmetrical you know the mm. snare drum being right in the middle of the overheads like there's so mm. much thought gone into it he's uh you know he's sort of an audiophile drummer you know
2: Yeah. well there's that there's that uh thing on the um warren hewitt uh studio tour where he talks about of Simon's studio and he talks about how he's soldered, uh, one side of his, um, you know, room thing in silver and the other side in gold. (laughs) Whatever it is. Yeah. 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 I know. So why why is why has he
1: done
0: that? I I didn't, I didn't end up watching that. So why did he do that?
2: Oh yeah. I I can't. Well, he, he, he just sort of thought it wasn't going to be compatible or something. He, he said oh, I can't hear it but I just you know I just I'm, like he's very meticulous so I just think he's oh. <laughs> <you know. laughs> okay. So
1: in that interview he's he talks about it he wired that entire studio yeah. like he wired it you know he's yeah. he's into it man he's like really Well
2: that's that that's a thing a recurring theme that I've seen like he's he's passionate about about whatever he gets into you know like he's really he really digs Yeah and that's the thing that's happened, that I've witnessed every time I've sort of, uh, come across him, uh, you know, he's, he, he likes, he likes talking about it. He's happy to talk about it because he's into it. You know, he's like, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's right into stuff. But when he came here with Hiromi, um, a year or two ago, I, uh, I got to hang out with him. and was, and I was with Stefan Novak and we went backstage and, and had a chat and Stefan's an engineer and man did they talk about you know preamps and mic and desks and and mics and stuff man like and he was right into it like really enthusiastic yeah. like vibey. you know he's just yeah very yeah. very very kind of enthusiastic about everything man
0: Yeah that's cool Um going back to the open-handed thing Lance you're you're an open-handed player Yeah can you talk yeah. of the the uh the influence Simon as an open-hand player I mean I know Billy yeah. Cobham was a, a you know, and yeah, and well, so. well,
3: I mean, I mean, Simon, I guess, played open-handed uh, for completely different reasons <laughs> to me yeah. playing open-handed. Mine was um, being left-handed and and lack of instruction to play any other way. But um, but it was kind of cool to see somebody that um, was playing that way, and it kind of uh, validated a little bit of the way that I was playing. You know, so it was kind mm. of like, yay, you know, someone else playing um, you know, weird like me with the ride symbol on the left, you know. So um so that was kinda cool. But I, I was always blown away that he was actually right handed and that he had taught himself how to play left handed, you know? Um mm-hmm. yeah, so that's that's always just blown me away with that. But um yeah, I I, I don't yeah, I mean I <laughs> I've never had a, a huge kit like that. But um some of the same things or the reasons why he plays open-handed with the right hand playing the toms and that um, are definitely some of the reasons why I continue to kind of set up that way, you know. Um, mm, yeah, right. But, yeah, it's been, yeah, definitely ins- inspirational for sure, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um. Uh. Well, let's, before we talk about this next thing, I, I need to ask, is amber dexterity a word? Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I wrote it down. and went. Is that a word? I know what I want to. I know what I want to talk about.
2: Ambidextrous. <laughs> yeah. a- ambidextrous. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah.
0: ambidextrous. Yeah, I get ambidextrous. But the word ambidexterity oh. was that a word? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Maybe I don't know.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about because uh, he, he's very much plays as as good on the left side as the right side. Mm. You know. um you know not just sort of straight patterns but you know I mean you look at you look at all the uh you know the ostinato stuff he does like the patterns that he builds and one of them and and maybe this will be the next song cuz it, it it um speaks a little bit of that playing on his left hand side and then when it comes to the groove he's playing on the right side and tom's and stuff um hmm. so my my next um well the song we're going to play next is is um bottom of your soul by Toto and that's off the fallen in between um, album and the things, you know. Going back to what I was saying earlier about how I think it's cool how he um, creates his parts and builds his parts. This song, it, it starts. It, it's got it's got a, um, uh, a sort of a percussive pattern, Lenny Castro percussive sort of pattern, and it's kind of an African mm. vibe. And he starts off with, you know, one of his trademarks is that that's his thing, right? And this is in six eight so he's he's going tss, 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 tss. yeah hes he's playing that sort of tss, tss, over the six eight and that's that's almost the constant of the whole song right he starts yeah. he starts like that as this pattern starts to build he brings in an octoman and then it starts to build again he he adds in a um uh his auxiliary snare with the snares off. And then so that's kind of starting to cook. And then the thing that, that really blew me away and threw me when I first heard the song, because this, this album was really anticipated, right? They hadn't done an album for so long. So I remember ordering it and it coming on CD and listening to it. And, and of course, the first thing you hear on that album is that, you know, the two notes on the gong drum. First time I heard that was awesome, yeah. but that's another song. But anyway, <laughs> when, when I when I heard Simon's opening Tom fill to come in to the chorus, it completely threw me because I would not have expected the first Tom note that he plays to to uh, to end up where it was. You know, naturally, I thought it would be you know it would be half a beat back, right? Hmm. And then. As the song goes on, he starts sort of building the fills um and I think we should just listen to it before I start uh waffling and tripping over my words let's let's listen to it <laughs> listen to the different parts and then talk about it afterwards, <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna mute my mic so we don't uh yeah, so I don't cancel stuff out, so here we go. just uh yeah it's got that little bit of everything for me um mm. yeah just the way he sort of you know builds those fills and and even towards the end it's like that last sort of big filly you know as he plays there in that sort of outro it's a combination of the two or three fills he's done previously you know it's mm. it's cool
2: yeah yeah
0: Gordo, you look are like you gonna say something yeah
2: yeah i always thought it was yeah. uh he was such an inspired choice for toto um, and my rationale i suspect well i've i've suspected that this was the the band's rationale was that if they'd have got any other great l a player and I won't name names but if they got any, anyone else from l a it would always be like toto totally, but not quite as good as with jeff you know whereas yeah. by getting by getting simon who was deep you know part of his thing is deeply about the groove and the pocket as was the LA thing, but also with all that other stuff, all the, the interesting phrasing, the Tom, the Tom melodic, Tom stuff, the, the fusion background, the odd time, all that other stuff. It, it, it allowed it to become a different thing and, and have a, you know, have a new life. And I think it allowed it to not be, you know, as obviously compared as it might have been, because you go, well, this is Toto, but it's a different, a different Toto. Whereas, with a sort of any other LA, it would have been, this is not as good Toto, you know. Um yeah. And the same when they got Keith Carlock, for that matter, you know, too. And and I think, uh, you know, when they when they've gone out to uh, Shannon Forrest, that that is going more back to a Jeff thing. But I think the time was right too, so you know, I yeah. I think they totally nailed it there. But uh yeah,
5: yeah
2: mm. you know.
0: But I mean that that's that's done now too. Like it's um, Sput Sealights playing drums with them now. The what, what's it called? Um, oh, it's T- T- Toto and or, oh, it's got a new name. It's it's Joseph Williams, Steve Lukather, um, mm. and all these other new guys. Oh, okay, right? <laughs> that, that, yeah. yeah, that that last that last Toto band's gone, man. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, Glenn, you got anything you want to? Add to
1: that. Oh, I mean, I love the sound of the drums on that album. So great! Gosh, the toms and just everything the way he plays and yeah, and because he Mm. he um he engineered all that too. I mean, I think Mm. that's right. One of the beautiful things is is that um, I was listening to something the other day and I was in my head. I was sort of trying to work out how I played it on my kit, and it just didn't work. My limbs were getting tied up and things weren't crossing over. And I was thinking, right. you know, how's he doing this? But his kit has never really changed. I mean, it, it's essentially been the same the whole time, you know, like right. like an X hat over there, a ride cymbal over there, you know. And so being that it's consistent, you can kind of piece together how he's doing this stuff, even though it's not like for right. some recording he, he made up some weird hybrid drum kit, you know. You know yeah, that it's yeah. always the mm. space station, and there's just all these little bits and pieces uh, <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> yeah. It's just a matter yeah. of working out well, which hand is yeah. doing what and where yeah. it's going to be. And it's like, a, it's just a beautiful puzzle, you know, like infinite possibilities with his mm. dynamics and technique. But mm-hmm. uh, it's this yeah. known quantity, you know? Whereas you get guys like, uh, say, Matt Chamberlain or Sean Pelton, people who, that, that I really, you know, draw from, mm. and they're mm. sort of sonic chameleons, you know? Yeah. Matt Chamberlain will have a djembe as a snare drum and then he's playing like a prog rock kid and then he'll have bongos as toms, yeah. you know, and Sean Belton's the same, but he might have a mallet in one hand and, you know, uh, a washboard in the other, you know, like those guys are just whatever it takes, I'm doing what the song thing is. But Simon's thing was like, this is my palette, you know, and possibilities just go on forever. Um, but you know what they are, so it's so interesting to hear him dance around it. You know, yeah.
5: Mm.
1: And when 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 Toto came out to the Enmore to tour that album,
0: um, I I you know because th- this song had that impact on me first time. Like I said, first time I heard it, first time I heard that first fill coming, and it just you know you know what did you hear what I meant by that that first fill. Yeah. So like one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. You, you expected it to go one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, um, to 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 fall uh, on the on the downbeat, not the offbeat, right? And then when it when he played it, like when I heard it the first time, I like, fuck, did my CD skip? So then I
2: I went back and listened to it, and I was trying
0: to, yeah, it just it just I thought it was
2: awesome. Well, I think he's. Uh, mm. I, I I suspect he's internally. Uh, T- change the pulse to the, to the sort of slow four pulse. And, and he's playing the fill as he's in the new, in the new pulse. That's what I, I, yeah. I imagine he's doing there, but um,
1: yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
2: But uh. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he's a, he's a very creative guy. And funnily enough, I think it was at that clinic you mentioned at the, uh, where the poster is from behind you at the end more. And somebody asked him, what do you, what do you listen to for inspiration? And I'd always suspected, as much as Billy Cobham is is an obvious sort of influence, that there was a, there's a lot of Tony Williams in there too. And he said he said yeah. I, I, he sort of paused for a second, and he said you know, like someone said like if you get you, you know if you ever get um, sort of stale or you know what do you listen to inspiration? And he said I listen to Tony Williams, and I can, that makes so much sense to me like the way mm. the way he um, the, the sort of tom phrasing, not a, like the soloistic mm. tom phrasing. Um, you know, it's not uh, it's not exactly Tony Williams stickings and stuff, but the the, the conceptually it's it it comes from there, I think. Um, a lot of it. So yeah. you got you know you got this beautiful beautiful hybrid of sort of uh, Billy Cobham Tony Williams improvisational phrasing with with an LA uh, grooviness, um you know and i i remember him too saying in an an interview sometime uh saying he always tried to make the rock rock music more funky and funk music more rocky and that that makes a lot of sense you know yeah yeah, yeah. lance did yeah.
0: you have you have you seen simon like outside of a clinic have you seen him play with with toto or or, or any other Yeah band?
3: yeah i saw him um, toto came to auckland um i think it was like when Lee Sklar was playing the bass, um, yep, yep. So I think that was what 2005 or 6 seven, or seven, I, yeah, Was it? Was it?
0: Se- yeah, it was the it was okay. yeah that was the year after the um right. the Enmore the Enmore gig because Mike yeah Mike Bacara had left. Yeah, oh, sorry, wasn't wasn't able to play.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I, I saw him. I saw him there. Um, yeah, that's the only kind of um, band gig that I've seen him play. But I've seen him at um a percussive art society international convention in I think it was nineteen ninety seven, I think it was. Um there. Um yeah, I think that's about it. But yeah. um yeah, I, I was always impressed how he played um Africa, how he incorporated all the, the percussion, the conga part in with his his left hand while keeping the beat going, you know. Um, yeah just super impressed with with his time and and like I say you know you you can hear once you study you know a bit of tony williams's uh, drum fills and and all those sort of um almost like the blush lick between the cymbal and the and the toms and that you can kind of um you can hear where that's coming from, and i think um yeah there's probably a lot more jazz influence in his drumming than what you know, people realise, you know. Um but he kind of disguises it with, with it being the big rock kind of sound, you know? Um, but yeah, he could definitely swing and um and he has that sort of um like you say that jazz phrasing kind of sensibility about his his soloing and his his pumping and that so well,
2: that that that, that yeah. vantage point record's pretty bloody you know, it's pretty there's there's a lot of jazz in that. You know, like it's not mm. it's not just uh some rock guy having a crack at jazz. There's a lot of mm. lot of depth in that, you know.
0: Yeah. I, is that is yeah. that the album he did with Jeff Babbo? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's that's beautiful. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Right. yeah. Yep. And right. and and very 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 Tony. That you know you could certainly hear the mm. Tony in that. But yeah, mm.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember at the clinic that when he came out to Wellington, um, of course everybody was like, you know, he was taking requests, and of course someone always tries to be the 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 smart ass to try and catch somebody out and say so can you play brushes you know and <laughs> and of course you know he whips out the brushes and does a you know sounded sounded pretty pretty good to me you know um and and just you know his um he could play Matched grip, he could play both traditional and both hands, That's you right. know? yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it was, it was kind of like, yeah, which way do you want me to play? I
5: can play, you know, it was like,
3: <laughs> you know, and it was like, you know, blazing single stroke rolls, you know. Yeah. and it's just like, Whoa. yeah. I've <laughs> got,
2: I'm, and oh, sorry, yeah. Lance, I've got him doing that on that video in Adelaide. He's, yeah, he plays it. He says, you, you can play it matched, you can do it that way, you can do it that way, you can do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, that's, that's yeah. not going to tra- uh, translate so well to a podcast, is it? Sorry. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah. <It's all> <laughs> I could use their
0: imagination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It
3: was pretty, um, pretty impressive. Yeah.
0: yeah. Did, um, that uh, The clinic he did 2013 at, at Canterbury-Baxdown um, Leagues Club, um, before he, he came out, um, I think I got there 20-odd minutes, I was able to walk around and walk behind his drum kit and I stepped up on the riser and, you know, we, we know he's very, very short, yeah. but his toms are so high and you yeah. see when he, see, when he plays, like he, it's audio, audio podcast. You see my arms, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, going back to what you're saying, Glenn, ex- exactly right. Having everything in the right spot to record nice. Yeah. Really? I think you know? it's a par- even if it means, and you see, like he, you know, he leans and he stretches and, um, that's, that's just part of a thing. Um, when it came to question time, um, well, the backstory to this, um, you know, back in the day, um, I used to go through uh, my mum and dad's um, records and open them up and see who played, played on everything. And I opened this Art Garfunkel LP, Fate for Breakfast, having a look through Simon Phillips. Oh, so what what'd Simon Phillips play He played on Misty Nights. I don't know if you know that song, Misty Nights by by um Art Garfunkel. Anyway, I'll play you. it it's it's like a it, – he he only plays for about eight bars or something or something like that. It doesn't like it's towards the end of the song. But anyway, um uh when it was my turn to ask, I put my hand up. He goes, I said, Oh, thanks for coming. Um, you played on Art Garfunkel's uh, Fate for Breakfast album, Miss Unites. Do you remember that session? And he goes, Yeah, I do. <laughs> it was it was it was nineteen seventy eight or so, I think that's nineteen seventy eight. He goes, he goes, I don't I, I said I remember it. What I remember about that session is that the producer was insistent that I have my snare drum at a forty five degree angle. And that's that's what he remembers about that session. <laughs> wow. The, the, he said the, the the producer wanted the snare drum sitting at a 45-degree angle to be able to get some sort of sound. But like he didn't go into, you know, did he end up playing it, playing it that way? I just remember him.
2: <laughs> is that, that was his is answer. That, yeah. uh, now, Lou, I think Louis Shelton's on that record, right? He is. Yeah, yeah, and he is. Steve Gad's right. on it too, yeah. Steve Gad's on it yeah, too. That's Louis right. Louis Shelton tells a story about Gad on that. Um, but, yeah, I, I just remember that. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah I yeah. remember
0: that clinic yeah so yeah. i just i just play the uh, i won't play i won't play the whole song but this is kind this is the vibe to ballad
7: i've had many times right so I can tell you
0: so let's fast forward to um about, miss you and that's it that's, that's that's all he played that's all he yeah. played on that <laughs> yeah but yeah i do i just i yeah i, I thought i'd sort of throw him the curveball there and he goes yeah i do remember that the producer wanted me to play the snare drum at 45 <laughs> no
1: rim shots <laughs> no rim shots on this record <laughs> no rim shots yeah. no no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no that's right. he's got a he's so, got an
2: amazing memory you know when you see him interviewed like the the, the amount like the amount of yep. detail he can remember about things and, and you know. That's right. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really impressive, isn't yeah. it? You
1: know? Yeah, really great. Yeah. Really
0: great. And it reminds yeah. me of you, Gordo. You're a bit like that. <laughs> I, don't <know.
2: laughs> I don't know about that. No, it, it, yeah, he, he's got more, more to draw from. So, you know, he's, <laughs> he's very impressive. Yeah.
5: yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. Um, Glenn, we might go across to your song now. Um, so uh, introduce us to your uh, first song. You got frustrating oh, yeah. and, okay. and tell
1: tell us what tell us why this one and so this stuff. is uh Don't Let Me Out of My Cage. It's a Nick Kershaw song. So this is nineteen eighty six. So at this is the I think it's the third Nick Kershaw record. The first two were um The Riddle and Human Racing. They were released almost in the same year. So like two two full albums just bang straight out. And he had this huge hit, uh Wouldn't it be good, right? That uh Massive mega hit. So this was the follow-up album to that, um, but it was like two years later. So you know, people were wondering what's going to happen. And um, mid '80s, so Simon plays on two tracks on this, and the other track is called "Violet to Blue," which is this halftime shuffle. Uh, it's extraordinary, as well. But th- but this one uh, really grabbed me because. Um, The way he plays this, like, it's a sort of fast two-four swing sort of thing, like a shuffle. But, um, I mean, there would be ways to sort of get in and out of it with some safety licks, you know, or or little transitional bits to, or play it much straighter. But the way he plays the bass drum and all the syncopations, um, everything is, there's so much intentionality in every fill and every hit, you know. The confidence, Mm -hmm. to me, is just exploding out of this track. And the the other thing is this is the first time I heard sort of a hi-fi version of his sound, you know? Like this is quite an expensive record to make, I think. And um, I actually emailed the engineer. It's a guy called Stuart Bruce who used to work with Trevor Horn a lot. Uh, I didn't get a reply, but I just always wondered, like, what, how did this go down, you know? Like does he roll up and they spend a couple of days on this or is it an afternoon? Uh anyway, I just think the playing is staggering on this. Incredible. Mm. Okay, let's go. Mm.
0: I I hadn't heard this until you um until you told us about it, Glenn. Oh right, okay. Yeah. I was telling you that the other day, yeah.
1: Man, I mean what a um, example of like just picking the right accents to pull out and then yeah. mixing enough improvisation in with like a structure, you know? Uh yeah, I reckon that's incredible.
2: Yeah. And, and and like we said with um in the Steve Gadd uh, podcast that you know, recorded to tape too, so there was, you know, yeah. Wasn't, there was no fix up like, well, you know, not the same ease and fix up and safety safety net that you have now nowadays, you know.
1: I know, but, and that's the thing, right? He's just going for it. Like, mm, there's, there's mm. a section where he pulls over to the little piccolo, you know, and yeah. then there's like these triplets going, and then he sort of seamlessly transitions to the ride, you yeah, know? and then the, he pulls out some double kick, the gong drums in there, like he's just. He's having so much fun with it it's a yeah, co- yeah. A, the confidence is incredible, you know, like if someone put that in front of me in on a session, I'd just about have a heart attack
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah
2: yeah right I, I i mean i always I loved that period um in the eighties and you know I, I I really loved that song Moonlight Shadow" for many years before I realized it was him on the drums you right. know I, I, like i i um like a, yeah, there's there's something kind of deep about that that groove and and the, you know and, and <laughs> I was very pleased to know it was him you know yeah yeah um,
0: so Moonlight Shadow who's who's that
2: Mike Oldfield um, but yeah I mean what a guy uh, you know Steve you're talking about other times we've seen him and and, and Lance you mentioned that uh, that Mick Jagger gig in the pub with the four piece kit yeah I was in LA uh, one year. Uh, Early two thousands probably, and uh, uh, on one night <laughs> there was a memorial for um, Carlos Vega happening at this place, and we went. We, we, uh, I was with uh, Ralph Pyle and Mark Taylor, and we went and saw that. At uh, and that was you know that was great to see lots of lots of cats on that. That was one thing, hmm. and then da- on the same night at the Baked Potato, uh, Simon Phillips was playing with Jeff Richmond. Oh, so, wow. oh wow! Oh Yeah. <laughs> so we so we you know we we saw sort of the you know most of the uh, Carlos gig, and then we went down to the to the baked potato. <laughs> and finally, like, uh, we I, I walked we walked in and they were on a break, you know. And I need I need to go to the toilet, so I sort of went straight through the middle. I don't know if you know that room, but the, there's the the band sets up on the right as you come in, and, and I went straight through. And there's this guy talking to some people, and he's and he he steps back and, and he steps on my foot, you know. And and uh, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, get, what? Watch out, man! Like, like, who's this? Who's this cocky, cocky little guy? You know, with short hair, like, like short curly hair, like thin, wiry, <laughs> thin, wiry, strong guy. And I and I look at it, it's bloody Simon Phillips, right? <laughs> He's li- literally literally walked into me, you know. Um, yeah. and yeah, and he it, it didn't turn or fade. Like he wasn't fade. He just kept talking to the guys. <laughs> like, I, was like, right. I thought, oh, well, what are you going to do? So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I went, so I went to the, went to the bathroom, but yeah, you know, yeah, that, and that was a gig. He was playing a small, uh, like a single kick drum. Oh yeah. Wow. The only other time I've ever seen him do that. Um, and you know, man, uh, it was sort of interesting, uh, having come from the um the, the Carlos Vega gig, because there was some really heavyweight cats on that and it was a great that was a great gig, but the mix was terrible. Weirdly, like you know, you think you think the mix would be great there, but no, it was a terrible mix. Got into the room there and there's Simon with Jeff Richmond and it was Jimmy Haslip on bass? Oh nice. Um,
1: right.
2: Yeah. Wow. And mm. and I can't remember there might have been somebody else, but um you know you're hearing Simon's kit. Acoustically, it's it's like it's a it's you know, and there was there were weren't that many people there it was you know maybe twenty or thirty people. It was bizarre, you know. Wow. And um, and what and the thing that struck me, uh, when they they played this tune, they played a, you know a, tune, a few tunes, but like like when he got going, just how beautiful the snare drum sound was. Like the backbeat, just like he snapped the backbeat, like he pops it, you know. And it and it, it was just like in the room, it was it was. Just gorgeous, you know, like I, I, you know, yeah, fascinating up close, yeah. A great experience to, to, to get that close to him on a gig, yeah. Wow,
1: wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: have you had any encounters with him,
1: Glenn? Uh, like, no, um, I haven't, no. I, no. I, I think I saw a clinic at some point, but I don't remember where it was, and the other time I yep. saw him was at the More. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So what, did, yep. what year did we say that was? That was with Lee playing base. It was
0: a yeah, that was about two thousand seven. Okay.
1: Something, something like yes. Yeah, but I mean, that was a, such
0: a great was,
2: drill.
1: Far out.
0: Yeah, he, he was playing in a, uh, a fiberglass kit. Acrylic, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Acrylic kit. Remember that? Hmm. Yeah, and and that's the first time I'd seen a Dingwall bass because Lee was playing the Dingwall bass. You yeah, know, the Dingwall bass has the instead of the all the parallel frets all the way down the neck. Oh yeah, yeah. The frets on a Dingwall bass they fan. Mm. And I was with my guitar, my, my guitarist friend, because <laughs> we because uh, Lee and Simon were off to the right of stage, mm. so we we were there, <laughs> yeah. we were right in that corner up the front, just watching them. And my mates watching uh, watching Lee play this Dingwall, you know, <laughs> fan <laughs> frets, and I'm
1: just watching Simon, you know. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yes. Glenn, did you go to the um? Did you go to the this uh, sort of studio session he did at Rhino?
1: I miss that. No, I didn't get there. Yeah.
2: So that that was a, he was out doing a clinic tour. Um, It might've been that mid nineties run. And he, um, (laughs) Murray Hyde, who was at uh, Drum City, called me and said, "Uh, can you get, can you put recommend guys to get a band together to play with Simon Phillips to do this session? Come, uh, masterclass of recording you know and um and so i you know i suggested it was it was michael bartolome on keyboards craig walters do you know craig lance yeah craig, yeah, yeah. Craig, yeah mark mark yeah. costa on bass and peter northcote and, and and um and they they became the band to play at this session and it was at rhino studios and um you know we had the yeah had the big the big kid, and I think I think like he calls it the SFX Phillips or the Starship Phillips, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he, um, and he was it was it was fantastic. I I always thought he really was just doing it to get a demo out of it out of one of his a few of his tunes, you know. And that and that yeah. and those tunes turned up on a protocol record not long after. So oh, not right. with not with that from that session. Not with them. Not with them. Yeah, yeah right, right. But um, you know, it was a great. Uh, it was fantastic to watch him. And what was amazing was, um, I mean, he was a better engineer than the engineer. And, you know, the, the, he came in to li- have a listen to a playback. And the guy had, uh, uh, you know, he's trying to tell the engineer what to do. And in the end, he just got the shits and said, just hang on, get up. And the guy got up and he pulled all the faders down and he started again and just pulled things up. And, and you know, and all of a sudden it sounded fantastic, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. and what, one other thing that struck me then, um, you know, we were talking about how seriously he takes everything. Yeah. There were a few, um, a few rowdy, you know, it was, it was probably like a masterclass with maybe 15 guys who'd paid to come and see this session in progress. And um, uh, there were, you know, there was a few cats sort of sitting at the back of the control room and they were getting a bit rowdy and Simon's <laughs> sort of mixing. And he turns around and he says, guys, this is a session. And and you know, like you could hear a pin pin drop. It was like like being scolded at school and, and then he turned around. But but you know, like he was taking it seriously. He was you know, it was it was the real deal. Like uh you know, it was great to see.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Let's um let's move on to another track. So say so Gordo, we'll go to your next one.
1: All and right, yeah, a, sure. yeah,
0: we'll go to the Russ Ballard track Voices. Yeah, tell us tell us about this one and why he chooses.
2: Well, this was uh, this was a hit. I mean, look, I could have chosen any number of songs. Like, you know, everything he's done, I've enjoyed. E- you know, everything I've heard him on, I enjoy. And it's I don't know whether I enjoy it because I enjoy hearing him, or or you know, enjoy the song and what he brings to it. But like, it it seems to me that he's it's always beautiful. Um, I suppose this was just a this was a commercial semi hit I think you know it was a bit of a hit here do you, do you remember it, you yeah, guys remember yeah, sure it? Do. yeah and um and uh and I you know I liked it because it was fairly mainstream and people you know people knew about it i remember um do you remember sound unlimited the, the Donny Sutherland show on the uh, it's probably before your time here, Stevie but um it was a, it was a, a Saturday morning music show that was on and and, and um Donny Sutherland would get people onto a praise uh new songs that came out and and this was one of them and Rene Gay was on and I remember she said uh, you know her only comment was Oh yeah that's a great drum sound on that track you know. <laughs> um, and I she, she, you know she went up a few points for me then. <laughs> but but what I love about it is that this is uh, this is a very typical Simony Type groove where he gets that slinky sixteenth thing, and and it's sort of like it's not like he's uh, locking every kick drum note with the bass. It's like the bass is a the bass part is sort of um, just a sort of like a lower end sound where and and the whole thing's being driven by the kick drum and and the way like the groove itself kind of moves the song. That's you know I've just always dug it. Mm. All right, cool. That the way he sets up that that end of that the last figure you know the the space in the field yeah, beautiful yeah. Mm.
5: nice isn't
0: yeah. is a bummer we, bummer we've got that slight delay in Zoom
2: yeah.
0: because like I'm hearing the track in real time and then you know go you your ear drumming <laughs> and then I'm, Lance Lance's got a yeah yeah a swag Glenn's got a swag and we're all kind of like these. <laughs> Four different bobbleheads, you know. <laughs> I, I could, I, I could, that could just be my time. You're maybe out of time, yeah. I've heard
1: about that. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm I love that that's such a simple track. Man, it just feels a million dollars. And But, Doesn't like, uh, those fills, re- quite, really quite simple fills. They're just sort of more texture colours, you know. But it's still, like, all these drums are set up, you know. And I uh, often yeah. wonder what it would be yeah. like to have that kind of infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, where... <laughs> you, you turn up to a session and, I mean, it's just not a reality for work, like working drummers around town to have that kind of a rig, you know, but like that's yeah, that's where he's at. Um, there's a great interview uh, with him and he says when Hiromi called him, he said he was sort of taken back a bit and he's like, well, you know I play this massive kit, right? It's like not even a question of I'm going to pare it down. It's like this, yeah, this is right. how I come, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that track is—it feels just so great. But I mean, the whole thing is there, right? He's at his fingertips.
6: Yeah.
0: Sorry, you just mentioned about you know not been you know if we couldn't kind of have that kind of rig around here because two words: back pain. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's, that's, that's a heck of well, a lug. <laughs> I, I would say, Glenn, though, in all, like you, you probably couldn't have it where he had it too, but it's just his insistence that. You know, you know what I mean like it's just his sort of stubborn uh, stubbornness to that's how that's that's what it is you know what I mean like it you know you can imagine I mean even even in the states where they've got you know proper um cartage in place and all of that stuff yeah. like most cats still still kind of work with a you know five or six piece drum kit you know like uh it, mm. it's for a sort of a freelance kind of guy it's it, it, it is really unusual isn't it that mm. you know but that's the brand, That's the. That's what you get. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, yeah, most
1: of the engineers I work with start. They start, uh, you know, twitching when you pull out a third time. You know.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we can we put the one mic over two? Is that, <laughs> can we do?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, you say that about Hiromi because, uh, like, uh, there's a couple of things. You know, Steve Smith sort of depth for for Simon on on those gigs and you know Steve Smith plays the hell out of it it's incredible um when he does it uh but without you know and don't get me wrong like like honestly Steve Steve Steve's um, it is amazing but with Simon it becomes a different thing it becomes different sort of music like um Steve Smith it's, it it's more within you know it's more within a jazz trio kind of Mm. you know within sight of a jazz trio whereas with simon it's very you know it's as, it's as orchestral as it is you know jazz and 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 so on but um mm. you know and i think that's you know yeah he's he's he he is this complete sound it's a complete thing you to. that's with, actually yeah.
1: a great way to do describe you, it orchestral i i think that's perfect you know mm.
2: do you think it
0: speaks for some of the bass players he played, like he's, he's quite often paired up with in his career, likes of I mean with Hiromi and, and then of course you know like his um, uh, Protocol One was um, Anthony Anthony Jackson, mm. and then of course there's the, all the stuff he's done with Pino, you know there's the the Town stuff and I don't know if you guys have, have you heard PSP, mm. Mm. Philip Sace uh, yeah, Palladino, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I just I just love that you know. Mm. Um. Just quite, yeah, maybe just certain bass players just sort of suit his <laughs> suit his thing, you know.
2: Like, I, I guess that's I guess that's just how you know how things work, in, in like, um, you know, you work in circles. I know he he yeah. first played with uh, Anthony and with Al all right Oh right, they, okay. They did that did that tour, but right. Um, right. Mm. I'd love to hear that. I've never I've never heard any of that. You know, I don't know if there's anything around.
0: Um, Alright, we'll go to another track now. Uh, oh, sorry, just before we move to that track, and Lance will be your next track. But just just going back to the, you know, size of Simon's kit and and you know being staunch on on how he wants to set up. If you go back and watch that video of um, um, Party in Simon's pants, the stage set up there, Simon's drums are literally hanging off his riser. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. You know how the how the hell did he get it up there? You know, yeah. like s- stands on angles and propped and like, yeah. But it's it's on. It's all there. The yeah. whole lot. Yeah, yeah.
2: he asked for a glass of water and a tape measure that day.
0: Very <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. good.
3: Yeah. All right, Lance. Yeah.
0: W- Lance, what's your uh, what's your next song, man?
3: Um, I think it's a, is it that Pentangle tangle track? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I guess I'm. Just blown away by um, you know, his his inventiveness of, of like uh particular patterns that he'll play in certain time signatures. And then I mean his drum soloing is is pretty phenomenal. I know we've had a, a good mix of like really great groove tracks that um you know are, are reasonably kind of like simple kind of things, but um and, and that's incredible too. Um, but yeah, his uh, soloing is just pretty, in- pretty impressive, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, on that, I mean, I know you you could kind of say it's kind of Billy Cobham-ish, but really he would, in my opinion, <laughs> blow Billy Cobham out of the water, you know, with his um his his um ideas because he's got a really great grasp of all the the odd time signatures and and playing over the beat and um. Yeah, you know, um, pretty impressive. So, I mean, this was just another track that I was just, like, trying to find something on yeah. YouTube, you know, quickly to, to get back to you to say, oh, yeah, and I was just watching this. And and the, the quality of, of the recording and the video in, in, his, in that studio was pretty impressive too. So, um, anyway, um, I'm sure there's yeah. untold other tracks that, that he, he plays just as impressively, but um, I thought it was really well filmed and recorded and... And um, yeah, he's just incredibly consistent, isn't he? You know, in everything that he does, you know.
0: Yeah, the thing that really stands out for me in this mm. song, going, going to that solo mm. too, Lance, is mm. the is the orchestration of the toms playing thirty second notes mm. uh, across that main riff in the solo. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you'll, you'll hear what I mean when you hear, when you hear it. Yeah,
5: it's mind it's blowing. Yeah.
0: I got sore arms just
5: <laughs> listening to it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Like there's 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 no stick clicks or any kind of like, you know, it's like it's it's pretty impressive really, yep. you know. <laughs>
1: Beautiful.
2: <laughs> you, can re- you can really hear the Tony in that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure, yeah.
1: He's so generous with his comping, isn't he? Like he just uh, hangs back. He's got no interest in drawing attention away from the soloist, he's just providing a launching pad for them, you know?
3: Yeah, I love I love his um, – he's pretty light on the old china, isn't he? You know, and then builds it up from there. That's a great track. Love. Yeah. It is a great mm. track.
0: Mm. Um, that – uh, well, all those like obviously we've probably all heard the first protocol album, but um, protocol two was probably my favorite until I heard protocol four, and that's just a, it's another level, it's all, just awesome.
2: Yeah. Just um, I, I think another Lifetime's pretty good, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they're all great, they're, you know. they're all, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's it. Um, well, my my um. Next track is Give Blood by T- uh, Pete Townshend. Um, I just love the, I mean, obviously being a fan of Fretless Bass and Pino, you know, Pino's on this. David Gilmore's playing guitar on this. Um, did you know Pete Townshend didn't actually play on this? And I, I've actually, let me read out a quote that I found on this regarding this song. Um Give Blood was one of the tracks I didn't even play on. I brought in Simon Phillips and Pino Palladino and David Gilmour simply because I wanted to see my three favourite musicians of the time playing on something. In fact, I didn't have a song for them to work on, so... We sat down very, very quickly and rifled through a box of stuff, and said to Dave, "Hey, Dave, do one of those ricky ricky ticky ticky things <laughs> <laughs> and, I'll sh- and i'll and i and 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 I'll shout, "Give blood every five minutes <laughs> in the microphone and see what happens and and this is what happened um uh part wise you know it's that you know the opening uh drum fill which is just one gong drum and then a little between the kick drum and the and the snare drum to kick it off, mm. um, and you know the second verse like like the the first verse is you know fairly sort of simple. Um, second verse he sort of starts pulling some beats out to match Pino. You listen to what Pino's playing on the bass, um, and then you know towards the end he you know, sort of start, builds it, builds it to that you know that classic Simon Phillips double kick ride it out type thing. And uh, I just I just love this. I, I had a real hard time. You know, having this as my number two. (laughs) That's mighty man,
2: yeah. Woo. Mighty. and that that uh, that live video, um, yeah, yeah, is just killing. And there's actually, I think they this, must have this done two. two two takes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the same gig. It looks like the same gig, and they've done two two takes of it. That, um, and and the one that made the the video is well, it's you know, it's incredible. But um,
0: that's the one when uh, when he goes. Gilmore, yeah that's right frown, yeah yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> i love I, I i i remember living with Blaine Whittaker the saxophone player and we always used to love watching that and and when he when he plays that you know that middle break that like sort of uh, kind of instrumental part and he, and he he just gets into the 16th note fill on the kicks yeah, and he just bears down on it like he sort of leans into it. It's so it's so <laughs> yeah. deep, man. It's so
0: But, it, but it, it, it also looks like he's looking at someone when he does it because he's smiling and someone's looking back because right. you see him going. <laughs>
5: yeah,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just just awesome, and it just goes back to that that what we were saying earlier about his his energy, eh? You know, especially back then, and you know, the, um, and that sort of like like watching that pentangle. Um, video. I mean, that's fairly fairly new. That's a couple of years old. You can see he's not quite moving the head as much, and because he's a bit wiser now, and chiroprac- <laughs> chiropractor and physio and all that. You can't you can't throw your neck around that much for all your life, you know. Because
3: yeah,
2: well yeah. it's it's a it's a curious thing, isn't it? I, th- I think it's um, it's also representative of the time, and but it, but it's also I think. You know that's an that's an English band. He's playing with English cats, and it was a they played a different way. Uh, I, yeah, I, right. I might be just making that up. I don't know, but yeah, if if you if you can hunt down, I remember seeing on Rock Arena, and I have found it since on on the web, but I haven't been able to find it recently. Um, there's footage of Simon playing the stuff from Empty Glass, the 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 other Pete Townsend record, um, the like the early one from eighty. Two with uh rough boys and um uh oh, china china crisis i think uh, like uh and and he's mu- he's much younger and that's that's it he's playing an imperial star on that it, um i th- well it looks like an imperial star for memory but that's a long time ago have you seen that Lance? no yeah. i haven't i haven't seen that one no no yeah try and hunt that down that's okay. that's yeah uh you know and he's like he looks real young on that yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, I I always remember that um Give Blood track was a transcription of it in Modern Drummer magazine and 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 looking at it and going oh he's playing Mozambique on on like his on the ride symbol, and I thought, you know, that was pretty cool to see that he'd obviously been listening to Steve Gadd and and cop cop that lick and and incorporated that in left-handed, you know. Um <laughs> Into that track, you know, I thought that was pretty impressive. Really,
5: mm.
2: yeah. Yeah, I, I've noticed too. He plays. He plays what what people refer to as the flutter, the Steve Gad flutter lick too. He plays. I've seen him play that too, and he makes it his own, though, doesn't he? Yeah, like yeah. It's, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 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 it's he uses that stuff, but it sounds like it sounds like his. Mm. Yeah. Um. What sort of impact
0: do you think he's having on? Modern players today. Do you guys speak speak with other drummers? You know, young young drummers. Um,
2: no. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah,
3: yeah. None, none of my students. Um, none of my students have really picked up on them, or, or really. Wow. I, I I don't know. They just. <clears throat> I guess because there's such a huge influence of the gospel chops kind of um drumming that, ah, that they look God. at um Simon's big drum kit and his way of playing as is, is something that was from the nineteen seventies, you know? But um yeah, you know, it's um I, I've still, you know, play the old track to um different students and classes and that. Um but even even with, you know, the latest stuff with Hiromi and that it doesn't seem to attract um, the same interest as someone like, um, you know, uh, Robert Glasper or, you know... Um,
2: Mark Mark Giuliano. Right? Or
3: Mark Giuliano, yeah. yeah, something like that, you know. So it's kind of interesting. A lot of drummers have kind of gone real minimalist, and yet Simon, like you say, is just still real consistent with his, his big setup, you know, Um mm-hmm. Maybe it's an English thing, you know. Like you think Keith Moon had lots of toms and Phil Collins had lots of toms, and um, everyone else has gone, you know, the other way with um, you know, a, a more jazzy kind of smaller setup, you know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, interesting.
0: It's, it's it is it is interesting. I, I hope, he, hope he doesn't sort of um, um, die out in the eyes of the. Mm you know, the younger cats or is he, you know, he's, I mean, we're still here.
2: So yeah, yeah. Look, it's, a, you, you know, you're, you're, you're touching on a, a an interesting area. Sorry, Glenn, did you want to say yeah. something? No, I was Glenn? just going to
1: say that, uh, you know, even before we, we were going to do this, I would always message Gordon and send him clips of Simon. At one point I was just like, like, just yeah. tell me if you've had enough, <laughs> you know, because there's not many people <laughs> that I can uh, share stuff with who kind of get it, yeah. you know, like, um, you, yeah. you can kind of tell people who are going to get Simon and who aren't, and uh, you know.
2: Yeah. Look, I, yeah, absolutely. I remember you saying that too, and, I, and 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 it was a sort of surprise to me because, uh, uh but I but I I always make the mistake of thinking everybody loves the same stuff I love, you know, um, like <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but I, it's a it's a it's a curious thing, um, uh, that. For me you know he made such an impression while i when I was so young, and it hasn't it hasn't um died out on me like like there's there's other people like you mentioned Keith moon, like I enjoyed Keith moon when I was just starting to play the drums and um you know I sort of how can I say it without like like I kind of grew to like other other things more. You know, but there's ele- there's elements of Keith Moon, like you know, I mean, you listen to Who Are You, and it's a that's incredible groove, mm. you know, um, and there's stuff, that, there's elements of Keith Moon that I like, but I the, like, and you know, I, I, like I'll always watch Keith Moon and be um, be entertained and, and enjoy it, but I, it, but I don't think there's much Keith Moon in my playing now, you know, mm. um, if I could put it like that. Whereas I think Simon, it's um, because I, you know, I, I, I came up with it. Like I, 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 I mean, I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't aware of his '70s stuff until later. But, but you know, from from the time I heard that, uh, the pump, I was on board. And and you know, I mean, I still think of of um, White City as a new as a new record. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that's one of the recent ones. That's 1985, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, but you know, I, like I've I've, I've her, you know seen his his career and seen seen what he's done and 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 enjoyed every every minute of it and you know and and, and loved his thing and um it, wh- one of the things is that you know he has he is you know we we you know we've mentioned is there's there's elements of uh, of Cobham there's elements of Tony there's elements of of Jeff Picaro for that matter there's elements mm-hmm. of Steve Gadd there's bits but he, but he really is his own, his own thing, you know. Um, mm. And when you talk about the gospel drummers, mm. don't get me wrong. You know, they're all, you know, there's some cats doing some really impressive, impressive stuff. But I think, and this might be an old, an old, you know, an old jaded man talking. <laughs> um, I think. Like his, he, like he, when you you know when you take a step back historically, it's like Buddy Rich stands up, Tony Williams stands up, Elvin Jones stands up, Steve Gadd stands up, Dave Weckl stands up, Simon Phillips is going to stand up, you know, um, you know, and there, there'll be a there'll be a gospel, you know, uh, Chris Coleman or, or you know someone will be the kind of king of that. Mm. Dennis Ch- Dennis Chambers, you know, like mm. let's you know he's really the kind of. Mm. The the guy for that, you know, uh, the, like the the first of that kind of idiom, mm. and I think I think Simon will will stand up historically, you know, mm. and but but yeah, but it's it saddens me that I know I know what you're saying about young people, and it does sadden me, mm. but you know, it's their loss. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know,
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of it's kinda like the the drummers around today that have got like a big kit like that, like maybe Mike Portnoy or Mike Mangini. Um you know the, but the thing is is like the music that, that Simon plays is just way more dynamic and diverse than some of those other drummers that have got the massive drum kits or the, the you know, the prog rock metal kind of drummers, you know. Simon's just got that History to his playing, that that the um and dynamic swing to it, that the 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 sort of the more progressive rock drummers don't seem to have quite that.
2: Yeah, that, I that, I, that, I you know I right on man, I agree. I agree. It's 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 the groove, isn't it? It's like he's you know he's he's a funky cat, you know. Mm. <laughs> sure, it <Yeah. he> is. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: yeah, for sure.
1: Glenn, any last um. Any well, last... I just wanted to say two things. One, I love the way he plays double kick. and I remember seeing an interview with him and someone said, hey, what's, what, what's going on there? How do you approach it? And he said, well, I just don't do it hard. You know, like when he's just doing the double kick and he's laying back on it, it just gives so much room to do other stuff, you know? So I love the way he always lays back when he's playing 16th or whatever he's doing, you know? Um, And the other thing is I love the way he plays his hi-hats. He's one of the only guys I know who will play the bell of the hat sometimes, you know, (laughs) and all those little textures he gets out of it. And that thing where he's always, you know, that sort of is, even that there's so many layers and sounds and textures he gets out of it. Mm. Beautiful. I just wanted to mention those two Mm. things.
7: Mm. Yeah,
1: that's great. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me Mm.
0: today and talking about. Another one of our favorites, Simon Phillips. Um, like I said earlier, I I love doing these spotlight episodes. Um, it's great to share thoughts and ideas and and um, all that stuff on Simon Phillips mm. with you guys. And really glad that you could join me today. And can't wait to do the next one.
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> thanks, Stevie. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks so much, Stevie. Great, yeah. great, great. Thanks for having us, Stevie. And great to see you, Lance. And yeah, good uh, to see you guys yeah. too. Hope yeah. you're doing. Doing good over there, man.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's going great. Yeah, and thanks, Stevie. It was, it was really great that, that to find, you know, four people that are really into Simon as much as <laughs> yeah. as we yeah. are, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, a lot of people would probably bypass, you know, his great playing. But, you know, um, yeah, it's really good to have a, a good long yarn and listen to some of those tracks for sure, yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah
0: that's awesome. Yeah. All right, boys, good evening. Yeah. Take it easy and um... – Catch right. up with you real soon. Yeah, thanks.
2: thanks, thanks Stevie, Stevie. Th- thanks yeah, again, boys. Thanks, guys. Great to see you guys. Catch ya. See you, man. Yeah, yeah. take Bye. care, boys.